Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 32. Today we're talking about teaching expressive elements. We'll also share some highs and lows from our week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now we'll start with our highs and lows yes. from our work week. A five-day work week, even. Oh, man, it was long. It was a, it was a made five it. days. And now this week will only be four because of the Monday off. Yes. Thanks. It's true. Mm-hmm. All right. Tanya, what yeah. you got? <laughs> okay. Now, I could always go low because, you know, there are some low points. But I am going to choose some a high point that happened. Um, I have two classes of kindergartners this year. And... How shall I put it tactfully? Um, they're these kindergartners. They're a bit wild. They're you've said. they're a bit yeah. wild. Yeah, um, they're a little unhinged when they come sure. to me. Not just when they come to me, like um, a lot of the time. And uh, so the me and the art teacher, my husband, and the PE teacher, we we've all been kind of struggling because, well, we get them at the very end of the day, of course, because uh-huh, that's how it rolls. And we have them for 45 minutes. Yeah. Because, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. And uh, it's our sixth class in a row of the day. Right. Because we teach six classes, bam, 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 in a row. Um, So, you know, we're also, we're tired, low, lower energy. And then here come those kindergartners who I think I mentioned in our last episode. (laughs) Like, yeah, like a couple of them just came in and just gave chase. Right. just running around the room. Yeah. So we had to start all over and all that hoo-ha. But anyway, um, so I could always talk about how they were out of control. But, and, you know, we always get it back. Yeah. But one of the things that I have tried with them recently that is a little bit different than what I've done in the past is I have this pop-up book that I recently unearthed at home because I bought it from my children, and it's a pop-up book of nursery rhymes. Oh. When you think of nursery rhymes, you think of, like, the nursery. You think of, like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, right? This is like a it's, charm. Yeah, it's gold It for is. Kinder. And in kindergarten, they well, they love the pop-up book. Yeah. But then they love the nursery rhymes themselves. And some of them they say with me, and some of them they've never heard of. But they're just like, it, it's like I cast a spell. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm going to really go to town with some nursery rhymes and do some things with them and put yeah, them in, you I was going to say add some musical add elements. Some, yeah, do some beat work with yeah. them, add some instruments. But it's just one of those things that I've overlooked because I just, it's very interesting throughout my career, um, like 15 years ago, nursery rhymes would be like, well, they know these because they learned them when they were right. little, and but not so much anymore. No, no, no. not at So all. anyway, nursery rhymes, big win in kindergarten. Awesome. It was great. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and uh, how about you? Well, I'm kind of share a high note that's kind of more of a personal high note, but it's school-related. It is and, totally. Um, actually, it was because of Tanya. Uh-huh. So Tanya is a mentor in our district for teachers who are newer to our district or new to the profession, period. And um, you hold the community of practice meetings once a month. Is that correct? Yes, that's Where correct. Where they get some extra professional development with Tanya, which well, is amazing. It's, it's, uh... Well, it's... I mean, not necessarily professional development, but talking through things and it's like it's like first year, second year teacher support. Yeah, yeah, which is really it's a great needed. thing that our district does. Um, so Tanya actually invited me to come and do a presentation for the teachers about Seesaw, which is something that I use and I love and I'm passionate about. It's a and fantastic app. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to come and do that, and I thought it went really well, and I was really excited about it. And the teachers it um, went had so lots well. of positive feedback, and, and even I used Tanya, it like two days. Later. I was going to say, then Tanya posted that she used it, which made me feel awesome. Because, no, you know, it was just so smooth. I just, Tanya, so no, she knows everything, so anytime no, I, I teach her something, it's, <laughs> I feel so special. The thing is, with anything like app-related, it just takes someone sitting down with me and just going, okay, exactly. here's how you get you started. You just have to take the time to sit and do it. Yeah. And the more you play around with it, the easier it becomes. But um, So yeah, it was really successful, and it got me really excited, and I just wanted to mention that um, at the upcoming OAK, KE conference in Columbus mm-hmm. in March 
third weekend of March, I believe, um, I'm going to be helping out with a little tech roundtable session. Um, it's going to be a very informal thing where myself and a couple other educators who are passionate about technology are just going to have some things set up that you can come and interact it's and ask awesome. questions. And I'm actually going to be doing a little thing on Seesaw. So if you want to learn more about Seesaw and you're going to be at OAKE, come see me at the tech roundtable This session. should totally be uh, like Instagram TV video thing, maybe. Right, and that would probably be good for me if I did that, because then that would prepare me even more so exactly. for my OAKE thing that I'm going to do. So anyways, I'm just excited about Seesaw again, and it was funny because one of the questions that, you know, the, the teachers asked me was, well, how often do you use it? And I said, well, to be honest, it kind of comes and go in, in waves. I used it a lot at the beginning of the year as we were reviewing things and kind of getting going, and then there's been kind of a lull, and then I know I'm going to use it a lot when I do Recorder later mm -hmm. this spring, because I do it for Recorder testing, but just because I did that presentation, then I was like oh my gosh I really need to use yeah. Seesaw more myself so then I planned some Seesaw things well I used it in stations with fourth grade yeah and that you just did a fantastic job of like taking us through all the things oh, well, that thanks. I was able to like jump in and do it for two classes yeah so I was really like excited because I got to do it with fourth grade yeah with in stations where they were writing a rhythmic composition and then I also used it in third grade um the first the very first third grade class you know, third graders, it was a little bit more like touch and go. Because right. It depends like, on the class. What do I do now? It's like, well, look at the big green circle with the check in there. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Read the directions. Yes. Yeah. It definitely takes some training. But then the more you do it with the kids, then the quicker it's going to be. Because yes. then, you know, like I said, with fourth graders and I'm using with recorder, and we're using it every class period. Yeah. They're so quick at it. That's and then awesome. they're finding little trick, tricks and tips that I didn't even know about and showing me things, which is always fun, yes. too, because they're so intuitive with the tech, you know, right. their generation. And I have to say with the recorder, because I started using it with recorder, yeah. and I'm going to go and put all of my belt songs in there for them to use. I just really love this idea of them recording it and then me grading it, yes. because I've had years of years of standing with children who aren't really ready to play for their belt. Right. Who do not a very good job and go, no, wait, wait, let me start over. No, let, wait. and I think this will really help out with totally. that kind of wasted time. Because yeah. when you are on your own recording and you hear it back and you go, oh, you know what, I squeaked there, then yeah, hopefully most kids are gonna be like, oh, I gotta redo it. And that, uh, yeah. talk about building like practice skills. Exactly. Where they are getting immediate feedback. Yep. So awesome. Yep, self reflection. And now we come to our main theme, which is teaching expressive elements. And when we're talking about expressive elements, we're talking about dynamics and tempo specifically for this episode. And we're um, doing a series over the next, well, last week or yeah, last- A three-part series. A three-part series. A mini-series, A mini-series <laughs> of um, what we are affectionately calling teaching the other stuff. Yeah. Now, of course, we're not going to get to all of the other stuff, but we just- uh, have these broad categories that we're using. And sure. so we're talking about expressive elements. Yeah. Now. Yeah. We're going to start with dynamics today. Yes. And it's worth mentioning, as we mentioned in our last episode when we were talking about teaching instruments of the orchestra, that really your first resource when you're trying to decide how and where and when to organize teaching these things, I mean, look at your district resources. Right. Because if there's some sort of curriculum guide or pacing guide, you should look there. Mm -hmm. If your district doesn't have that, look at your state standards. And if all else fails, look at national, you know, NAFME standards. But when it comes to, you know, organizing things from your kids, sometimes you just have to do what's best for your kids, too. Right. So, for example, when I just came in to my newish school, this is year three there, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be teaching all of the fourth grade standards as is. Right. According to my district because curriculum guide. Things because have to they first. hadn't yeah. had enough background because of unfortunate situations in their music education previous to me coming, they, there was just high turnover. They hadn't had what they needed. So right. I had to do a lot of modifying and do what I thought was best for And that's kids. great because um, yeah. there's lots of, especially when you're talking about dynamics or tempo, we're first going to break it down to two big opposites. So when exactly. we talk about musical comparatives or musical opposites, most people, uh, most teachers and curriculums will start in kindergarten. Yeah. Or in first grade. Early first grade, yeah. Right. So we're talking about 
And sometimes with my kids, I talk about musical opposites. Yeah. So first you draw attention to um, loud and soft, and soft or quiet. Yeah, whatever you and choose to call it. And then you go, oh, but wait, there's great. And I had a kindergartner just this past week go, but it's not, we were talking about fast and slow. But yeah. she's like, but it's not always like fast. Sometimes it's in, in the middle. Yes. I said, exactly. And there you go. There's your teachable moment exactly. where you go, not everything's fast and not everything's slow. Yeah. Um, that we've got these gray areas in the middle. And that's when, of course, you're bringing the attention to all of your Italian terms. Exactly. But back to dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I ask you a very Kodai-specific question? And especially because Tanya teaches level one, so I know she's going to have an answer for this. So if you're doing things in a very traditional prepare, present, practice way, and Uh you're talking kindergarten, loud and soft, or early first grade, whenever you're going to be introducing this to the kids, do you have something else that you call those terms before you call them loud and soft? I do. What do you call them? I call them big and little. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest, um, there's different schools of thought about this within the Kodai world, obviously. And I go the route with comparatives that I call them that right away. Okay. But then my presentation moment is where we are like writing the word or seeing the word loud and seeing the word soft as related to something. And it's not necessarily printed music. It might be icons or big pictures of a song. And then we're labeling those sections of the song as loud and soft. And that's kind of the presentation moment. But when we're moving and when we're singing and when we're exploring, I'm still calling them loud and soft. Yeah. Because it felt odd and contrived for me personally to come up with different words. But I was just curious how you did it. Well, I, it depends on the comparative. <clears throat> okay. Because as far as loud and soft con- is concerned, and I know I've said it before and I'll say it a million times again, that we often, the students often get confused between loud and soft and high and low. Exactly. And so that's why I do intentionally call it big and little. We're using our big voices. We're using our little voices. Okay. Um, because Big sound, little sound. Big sound, little I sound. I see that, yeah. And, yeah, so with loud with high and low and loud and soft i do intentionally use other words before we present with fast and slow not as much because they're much more familiar with yeah. fast and slow being fast and slow and we don't misconstrue that as anything else yeah right and you can also talk about fast and slow out of the context of music of course. Right. You can talk about a fast car, yeah. a slow turtle. Exactly. But in music, when you're talking about loud and soft. It's a little trickier. What else do you talk about that is loud and soft besides sound? Um, yeah, I do a lot of comparatives to, to um, like, animal sounds. Yeah. You know, like with the grizzly bear song example, you know, we talk about when the bear is sleeping in the cave, he has these soft snores. Uh-huh. But when he wakes up, he's very mad. He's loud. Because he's roaring at us, you know. So I do Should a lot of things Should we talk about the, I don't know if it's an issue anymore, but I remember once upon a time, music teachers um, getting really um, opinionated on whether to use the word soft or quiet. Exactly. So what do you think? I tend to use soft because that, to me, seems like a more musical term. Have we had this discussion on the podcast? I don't know that we've had this discussion. If we have, I'm so sorry. You're no, gonna I don't think that we have. Well, maybe things. we haven't. It's just been so long. I use soft because I don't know why, to be honest with you. It just feels more naturally musical versus the word quiet seems non-musical. But ah, that could be a very just my own gut reaction to that. And have you had, I just had this happen again recently, where a kindergartner said, soft is a, a touch thing. I've never had a kinder say that, but I definitely have noticed there can be confusion with that. Okay. And I was also going to say when it comes to these comparatives with early ages, because I have so many second language learners, uh-huh. you know, I tend to go straight to the real terms quicker yeah. because I find that giving them those intermediate terms only Means, confuses yeah, the matter. Sure. So that's my other reason for that. And I think it's just then becomes consistency if I'm using the word soft consistent enough and they've done all these experiences where they now understand that soft in music refers to uh, a lower sound a small, no, oh. not lower. sorry I caught myself <laughs> not a lower sound a smaller sound I yes. do like that that term smaller um they start to understand that right. that correlation I like soft also yeah um and I know the, the my biggest reason for that is because quiet implies to me silence Okay. So, I mean, just out and about in the real world. When When you're in the library and they say, please be quiet, they don't mean like, 
<laughs> talk at a whisper. Usually, I mean, yeah. they don't mean talk really. When you say to kids in the hall, I need you to be quiet in the hall. They, they yeah. know that they mean silent. They know that it means silent. Oh, I never even thought of it that way. But I think that goes back to what I was saying, that quiet seems non-musical. But yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that, I, that's a very specific. But I'll use quiet. If the kids come up with it, like... I'll use them interchangeably. Exactly. I'll talk, and we'll have that discussion about soft and How quiet. How quiet do you need to be? Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, there you go. Well, all right. So let's talk about the breakdown of dynamics and when how when you teach specific things right so i will say that before i came to the district that tiny and i currently teach in now my former district was not very specific about when to teach these things so i kind of came up with my own system so i'll share it now well there you go so with um kindergarten and early first grade i taught the comparatives of loud and soft um second grade is when i introduced the terms forte and piano Mm -hmm. as just a way to totally replace the words loud and soft third grade we're continuing to use forte and piano and then i also introduced the idea of crescendo and decrescendo all right so even though they've experienced obviously lots of music where there's in between forte and piano they're aware of that this is where it becomes explicit and they learn the terms okay and then fourth grade is where i introduced the mezzos as well as fortissimo and pianissimo and kind of anything else and really fourth grade was always my goal for both tempo and dynamics, that they really knew the majority or were familiar with the majority of the Italian vocabulary because that's when I would start choir. So anytime I had kids in a choral situation where they're reading scores and reading octavos, I wanted to be able to say, oh, and what's this word mean? And they can say, oh, it's a crescendo. We should get louder here. So that was always kind of my personal benchmark was not necessarily by the start of fourth grade, but, you know, early fall, fourth grade they've at least been introduced to these terms. Exactly. And and I've done similar. Yeah. Um, I have kindergartners this year, but I haven't had them for several years. So we are going through all of the comparatives. <clears throat> um, but in years past, when I don't have kindergarten, I do it in first grade. Yeah. As far as loud and soft. And I do bring in forte and piano, um, but just really quickly. Brief. Yeah. Briefly. And... Um, this is one of those things I know in, in a Kodai setting, you don't give names to everything until they've had some time to ingest it exactly. through lots of experience. However, there are some things that don't need that much prep. So, for example, um, I will do forte and piano in first grade. And if they happen to be looking at the wall where I've got my you know, pianissimo, piano, and they, yeah. and, and if a kid brings it up, I'll just go there. Oh, yeah. So that's like a teachable moment. Exactly. If a kid's like, well, what is MP then? Yeah. Then I'll just go there because yeah. we don't need tons of prep to understand. Exactly. Mezzo means medium, yeah. right? And so we've got medium, loud, mediums, all that stuff. And I'll add, too, that when I was introducing these concepts in these grades, traditionally, I, those were always things I did very early in the year because they are quick and easy things to introduce yeah. to kids while I'm reviewing last year's you know, concepts exactly. and starting to prepare for this year's, you know, main Kodai, you know, when we think about those main literacy concepts, I'm weaving in those dynamic things, but I do them early in the year. I really have to make a conscious effort to use the dynamic marking words once I've introduced them. That is my problem as um, well. And I love it when a kid will go like, oh, you mean Forte? I'm like, yes, that's exactly yeah. what I mean. Well, and another point to why I would do it in the beginning of the year, I would force myself to do that because I do music journaling with my kids Mm -hmm. first grade up and their journal is a template that I created that we use all year the same template and I do include whatever dynamic or tempo Italian specific vocabulary that I expect them to use so in the second grade journal for example is this song is blank and their choices are forte or piano or forte and piano you know I give them options with that but the point being that I know by the time we do our journals the first time I need to have introduced those concepts wow which brings us to like so you do your own templates for that but um I want to mention a fantastic resource those um Denise Gagne listening Mm -hmm. books because she does you know listening journal things and as you go along in the grade levels, they do get more specific with using the Italian terms. Exactly. Right. So if you use a first grade listening template journal thing, then it'll say loud, soft. But if you're using fourth grade, then you'll have your dynamic markings that are like, you know, mezzo piano, 
report to APN, all that. Um, and then I'm also thinking about there. There's some good TPT um, worksheets that kids are coloring by dynamics or kids are coloring exactly, by that. Exactly. Yeah. And I really appreciate. And I should say who I'm talking about because I can't remember off the top of my head. But I do have a good packet. I think it's Jenna. Um, had said so much music s-e-w so much right right so she has good ones because she's got those choices where you can use this one if kids are just focused on loud and soft fast and slow but you can use this one if you're using like more advanced terminology i think the point being and this is something i know we said off mic that we both can be better about this in our own classroom is just to be more intentional about it exactly. and just make a decision of when you're going to start using those terms and then continue using those terms with right. the kids and not revert back to allowing them to just allowing yourself just to say and, loud and soft yeah. when there's if so I many really other had things. my stuff together i would be a lot more intentional intentional about showing them manuscript like right away that right. had these things in it. Or for me, the closest thing to that would be then a listening map that either you found or you created that shows uh, the actual dynamic markings. So I'll talk about one of my favorite listening lessons for um, fourth grade and up once I've taught them all of them is the piece Over the Hills and Far Away, otherwise known as the Children's March yes. by Percy Granger. But every time someone says it, I want to start singing the Led Zeppelin tune, but you know. Yeah, no, 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 not that <laughs> one. Um, but there's a really great listening map, and I got it. We gave a shout-out to share the music last time, and I'll say it again. I really loved the listening yeah. maps. And, and textbooks, those are what you want to get in from your textbooks. Mine your textbooks yes. for listening maps. Listening maps are great. So this particular listening map shows like these little people marching with flags and each section of the music the flag represents the dynamic but what I like about it is they show like MP they don't write it out and they show it in like the font whatever that musical font would be that you would normally see it in a score so we're following along with the music we're looking at the dynamics as if it were a score now obviously it's a simplified version of a score but Mm -hmm. the idea being that then when they see MP in the score they remember what that means versus writing out the whole word mezzo forte or mezzo piano whatever Um, and then just some activities that I enjoy doing with this to make it more than just them sitting and listening the first time we sit and we listen and we follow along with the map the second time I have them create some body percussion just how to keep a steady beat but to show the different dynamics so I write a whole chart on the board going from you know pianissimo all the way to this one goes all the way up to triple forte um and so yeah I could say it's (laughs) fortissimo easy 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 mo and we make a big joke out of it which I tell them that's not really what it's called but Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, um, so then we kind of start in the middle with something that's medium, and then we go back and we go forward, and I have them really think critically about what they're going to do to show those dynamics. You know, oh, well, if we clap at mezzo piano, we got a long way to go, so it shouldn't clapping really go there, you know? Right. So it becomes a really great discussion. And then maybe in the next lesson, then, instead of doing body percussion, I split them up into groups, one for each dynamic. They have to choose one of my non-pitched percussion in the room, Mm -hmm. and we have to, you know, and obviously you can play a drum in different ways. We talk about that, too, but they kind of come up with a great, you know, hierarchy of the instruments. What a great idea, the whole assigning them. steady beat, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, you're in charge of mezzo piano, so what instrument do you think would be best for you to play a steady beat mezzo piano? And so then we do a little play along with the map. Well, um, can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Like, do you, before you play along with the music, do you have each section play? Because I can imagine kids going, well, we're mezzo forte, but we're not sure how loud or soft we should be until we hear the forte. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do like a trial run Yeah, okay. where we go through, you know, from softest to loudest to make sure is the hierarchy working. And, mm-hmm. okay, so your mezzo piano, can you play that even softer? Like sometimes right. it's not a matter of changing instruments. It's just a matter of how they're playing the instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I've sometimes not done they this switch. in groups. That's very cool. Yeah, it's a really fun little Do they carry lesson. this forward, um, like, when you have later lessons? Do they carry this idea forward if you ask them to, like, mezzo forte? I will say this is probably where the breakdown happens, and not with them, with me, that Mm -hmm. I'm not intentional about weaving those things back in. Because I know you've probably experienced this, too, especially with older grades when we're playing instruments. It's like... It's it's just all or nothing. Like. Exactly. Well, I mean, it does come up if we're looking at a score, you know, in choir, like I mentioned. It does come up if we're doing any sort of listening lesson and they're writing in their journal. Mm-hmm. Then they're able to reflect back. Um, this is something that we should probably say, even though it might be obvious, that having, you know, a word wall 
uh-huh. of the, you know, both tempo and dynamics and having them in separate. I have my word wall organized by topic. Yes, I do too. So the tempo, you know, and it's arranged from slow to fast and right. dynamics, it's arranged from, you know, soft to loud. And I, yeah. But so I can refer back to that. One thing I was I was reflecting upon as we were preparing for this episode is, you know, when we think about all these little composition activities that we do, uh-huh. like on Seesaw, have them oh right my gosh. Of, how Why, easy would it be yes. to just have them add? You must add a dynamic. A dynamic or two. You must, you must add have two a change dynamics. in dynamics. That, that would not be hard. Why are we not doing this? I don't know. So this is good that we're saying this out loud. <laughs> that is good. That we're reflecting on that there's more that we can do. Exactly. So. Yeah. Do you want to share some of your favorites for... Dynamics, any um, other favorite songs or favorite? Yeah. Okay. Well, when we're talking about song literature, I'm I just have to go to kindergarten and yeah. first grade. Well, yeah, it's good um, stuff there. I use a you know I'm looking at my concept plan, Grizzly Bear, which is not an authentic folk song. Uh, uh, no, but it's a good so one. fun, and it ties in with going on a bear hunt. Yes. And it's it's just a nice little you know they love the game. Yes. Um. Of course, you bring in lullabies yes. a lot, and we, we rock things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a fantastic video of uh, kids from, I want to say Zimbabwe, um, rocking and singing to their shoes. Oh, Because that's, you know, what they use. And, that's um, awesome. I sing to them and play my dulcimer. Mm-hmm. I've got some uh, lullabies in my back pocket for that. Lucy Lockett is a good one. Oh, yes. Yes, because I do, I mean, I there's a very varied games that people do with Lucy Lockett. I do the loud soft one. Yes. Where the student who is it has to wander around the outside of the circle and the pocket is hiding. I give it to somebody and they sit on it. Okay. So um, and then the person who comes in hasn't seen who's sitting on the pocket. They wander around the outside or the inside of the circle and as they get closer to the kid who's got the pocket they sing louder. Yes. And as they get far away, they sing softer. Right. And now I'm going to quote, I think, Joe Kirk and say, we never sing louder than beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, you definitely have to talk about that with yes. these hot and cold type games. Right, because you do not want them yelling and screeching and, yeah. and blowing out their cords or your ears. And that's a good time to review the difference between a shouting or screaming voice right. and a loud singing And then we voice. never They're sing as same. quiet as a whisper that's not yeah, singing. Exactly. And then we can refer back to our you know, yeah. our voices, like, that's a whisper voice. We want a singing voice, yeah. but pianissimo, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, love Lucy Lockett. That's always a big hit. Yes. And then later on, in fourth grade, um, and this is from uh, Sue Lighthold mm-hmm. Bocock, uh, is where I learned Black Snake from. Yes, yep, me too. And she does that as a um, hot similar and hot type and cold game. type mm-hmm. game, but it's reversed. Yeah. So the, you hide the snake somewhere, and when the student gets close to it, you sing softer. And yes. when they're far away, you sing louder. Yes. That kind of thing. And you can, of course, do that with anything. It's oh, not sure. that it has to be that song in that game. Um, I have Hey Betty Martin here, which is, uh, you can find the A section as a folk song. The B section is in a Fire Robin source. Yes. May or may not be contrived. Probably right. is. But um, the Hey Betty Martin that I use has... Um, the first, the first part is, hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe, tiptoe. I always sing it wrong because I learned tippy-toe, it. Tippy-toe, Is it tippy-toe? I think there's different versions. I, I sing the tippy-toe version, I do too, which I'm I not sure it. where I got that from. All right, so real, left to my own device. Actually, I think it's from the music garden curriculum, which really? both Tanya and I have been exposed to. Yes, but I learned it long before I did any music garden. Okay, interesting. Okay, I, I learned it from Joe Kirk. Right. I'm just made the tippy-toes, tippy-toes Oh, the tippy-toes, tippy-toes. So I Whatever. left my own devices. I will sing, hey, Betty Martin, tippy-toe, tippy-toe. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe fine. Hey, Betty Martin, tippy-toe, tippy-toe. Hey, Betty Martin, tiptoe fine. I don't sing, please be mine. Just because. It's just weird. Yeah. Anyway, and and that's quiet and we're tippy-toeing, yes. right? Or that's soft, whatever terminology. Yes. And then the B section, which I've only seen in the Fire Robin source. I cannot find it anywhere else. Let us know if you know of it being Where anywhere else. Comes from, yeah. And I don't mean on a blog or something. I mean, like, have you seen this in a printed, printed source, source as this? So the B section. Jump with me. I'll jump with you. We'll go jumping all day through. Jump so fine. Jump so fine. Jumping, jumping all the time. Hey, hey everyone's got to resolve that. You can't, <laughs> you can't leave us hanging. 
Yes, but I did. That's a very good one. That's great fun. But yes. being that loud and soft is really early in my year. Yes. I do not I do not expect kids to sing, especially the B section with me. Oh no, because they're too busy jumping. They're too busy jumping. <laughs> and this is a complex song for them to latch onto well, and yes. sing right away. I've heard so. it a gazillion times and I still can't recall it off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, in fact I might have just sung it wrong, even according to the source that I cited. Um, well, hey, we'll, we'll put in the show notes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but really, when ask yourself, what is it for? So, if the kids exactly. aren't singing this one, yeah, I don't lose sleep over it because no, they're moving to it. They're, they're moving responding. to it, and what do I want them to get out of it? Yeah. Not beautiful in tune singing. I want them to get out of it. This is loud. This is soft. Yeah. That's what I. Exactly. And look, my body is moving big. My body is moving small. I like that. So anyway, Cute. Yeah. Um, what are the things? Songs and chants. Uh, there's. Again, that Denise Gagne listening uh, that comes with CDs. Uh, maybe it, I'm sure that Denise Gagne has got like MP3s at this point connected to all of Probably. her listening lesson. The yeah. colored books. What are they officially called? Oh, my. I call them the, the Denise Gagne listening colored books. Okay. Yeah, like the yellow one and the green one and the red one. I they, don't they're know by the grade level and they're just awesome because she also includes a track especially for loud and soft and fast and slow, she cl includes a track of like environmental sounds. Right, right. So there's like a race car. Yeah. And then there's like um, a paddle boat. You exactly. Can hear. And when I play that one for my kids, depending on the kids, they think that's really funny to hear the paddle boat thing. Really? Yeah, I think they think it's bathroom noises. I was going to say, if it's splashing water, they're going to think bathtub or potty. Either yeah. way, it's funny. Yeah, it is funny. But I do it anyway because, you know. Cool. Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about more specific listening selections that you like to use? Sure. Well, um, when I'm sticking with more just loud and soft with maybe throwing in crescendo and decrescendo, I like the um, Overture to the Marriage of Figaro because uh -huh. it really does that immediate difference between Oh, and all of these will be in the show notes. Yes. Yes. Yes, we'll try our very best. <laughs> and then no, you mentioned Over the Hills and Far Away. Yes. Um, obviously, Surprise Symphony. That's yes, a classic. that's when you bring out the Surprise Symphony. Yes. Um, I had forgotten that I used The Wagon Passes by Elgar, and that's from the nursery suite, and that's directly from that listening book. Yeah. Um, and it just it fades away. So that if you want to talk about De Crescendo, right. you can definitely go there or and Crescendo. And then we have to we have to mention it, even though Tanya maybe and I are not the biggest fans of <laughs> music K eight resources. The Forte piano song is a classic. Yes, because they love it, and yes. it does do a good job of illustrating things. Yes, and my kids, yeah, they think it's hilarious. They think it's hilarious with like the dramatic, like you know, operatic singing that yes. goes on with it. And mm -hmm. yeah, again, the purpose is not like beautiful in in tune singing at that point. It's just experiencing that concept. And when you have kids going forte, forte, yeah. piano, then you go, okay, that's done its job. Yeah, and that's exactly. Fine. I do it, you know, once and then I move on. This but I did have this to. year um, a kiddo who was like, what's that arrow in there? Like wanted to know about the crescendo, the dictionary. Exactly. So, it, you know, depending on how your kids are, and I just used that as a teachable moment because yeah. it was like, no one's going to be hurt by us talking about crescendo and decrescendo right now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But if you don't want them ex exposed to that yet, then you don't use that. Exactly. And it does mention fortissimo and pianissimo as well. Right. So just decide where you're going to do it and what exactly. you're going to talk about. Yeah. And, of course, we have to mention that there's several books that are lyrics of lullabies mm -hmm. that are really good to pull in. I mean, if you... Well, I mean, if you're teaching music, then hopefully you're comfortable singing. Yeah. And uh, this is also <laughs> a good time to, you know, sing to your students. Yeah. And that is a really worthwhile thing. They don't get to hear live, in person, right, fit few inches from them music all the time. This unless, is true. Unless their parents have been singing to them, and I, I would hope that would be the case. But Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I've, I love All the Pretty Little Horses yes. book. It's a beautiful book. Um, what else? Hush Little Baby. The Hush Little Baby. Although, is that one, the one that you and I, I think, both use? Is that one it's out of print? It's the Mary Freezy. Now? Is that out of print? I don't remember. I could be making that up. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll yeah. research that. That's a nice little lullaby. Um, and it's also, it just, it goes on and on and on. 
Uh, thump, thump, rat-a-tat-tat, which is very kindergarten, even preschool. Uh-huh. But it's a marching band that comes down, you know, the street, and they're oh, louder right. and louder, and then they fade away. So yeah. I use that one quite a bit. Yes. Um, I, I, I use Mortimer for loud and soft and not high and low. I know oh. a lot of people like to use it for high and low, yeah. and they like to put instruments to it, especially when Mortimer's going... Uh, when parents and everybody who's coming to yell at Mortimer mm-hmm. go up the stairs and down the stairs, yeah, people like to use instruments and go high and low. You could do that. Um, I use it for loud and soft. If I were to use it for high and low, then I would only use it for high and low that year. Yeah. I think I just want a, a word of caution that if you use something like a book um, for a specific concept, I, it depends on the grade level. You could potentially revisit it. For a different things. concept, but when we're talking about high and low and loud and soft, yeah, I you wouldn't don't do that. Avoid I, I want to yeah. avoid totally. mixing those two two at this point. Yeah, yeah. And we mentioned it earlier, but going on a bear hunt is a oh great yes, one going on a bear and hunt, and that that's a classic. That's in your library. Yep, yep. So now let's talk about tempo, the other half of our expressive elements yes. podcast today. And we were laughing over my concept plan yeah, for we kindergarten. Yeah, we were looking earlier. Because it it's all trains. A lot of trains. <laughs> well, let's back up and talk about, first of all, how, when, how you organize when you teach tempo. Does it just come up organically? Well, I mean... I mean, no, you well, should be very intentional. Well, we about should. It. Let's yes. just let's say what we have. Been when we're doing, talking maybe. about specific tempos, yeah. then perhaps for older yeah. grades. But when we're talking about like your basic fast and slow, well, yeah, yeah that's then, gonna happen again, kinder or early first. That's one of your comparatives. Uh huh. And if you go to a school and they've never had music for whatever reason, mm-hmm. or they have had music, but it just hasn't, you know, hasn't yeah. been taught Has by a music gelled? specialist, yes. then you have absolutely have to teach these comparatives yeah. to sixth graders. But with older material. With older material. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe you could get your sixth graders to engine, engine number nine, but... Not in my I, world. You have to really sell that. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say that I kind of stick um, with just fast and slow and things getting faster and things going slower mm-hmm. for a long time. And yes, I do too. And if there has been a time that I've ever really intentionally then taught... The Italian vocabulary, it's, again, generally beginning but there of are so here's the issue with the tempo markings. Yeah. yeah. There are so many more tempo markings. Exactly. I mean, me and my son, I remember a year ago, I had to look one up because I was like, I don't know. I know. Yeah, you, know? you kind of have to pick and choose. I hate to say it that way, but maybe, like, decide which ones you think are the most common right. that they're going to see. And then, again, have a hierarchy on your word wall or whatever. I believe in our district, when I actually did the research and looked, it was like you taught a couple one year, and then you taught a couple more the next year, and you caught a t- taught a couple more the next year. I personally found that to be, like, two. And I know I do that with dynamics, but that, to me, was different. So, what do you, like, go... I think it was like a le- now I'm gonna misquote, but it was like like allegro and largo. Like maybe you start with like very opposites, uh-huh. kind of like what I do with well, dynamics. Well, sure, you would do that. Like you but do I don't dynamics. know. I personally just kind of teach and them largo. all at once. Like, like yeah. And um, I use David Rao's word wall is the mm-hmm. word wall that I use for make moments. Well, matter. and he's got that great little um, speedometer thing, exactly, which is a really good visual. It's perfect. But then again, I mean, and I'm not, I've not really asked kids specifically about that visual. To me, that visual makes so much sense as someone who drives a car. No, the kids get it. The kids it. get it, right? Video games. They video get games? It. Yeah, like if they played any sort of video game, like Mario Kart. Oh. Maybe it doesn't just have a speedometer, but they get, they, they see know. speedometers. I mean, my kids comment all the time about my speed when I'm driving Do in the they? car. Do they? not for you? Of course, here's the thing, Do too. they look? How do they speedometers, look? Speedometers, maybe the dial version are maybe not as often, because I just realized they they comment on my speed. <laughs> That sounds horrible, but they'll notice, they'll see the speed limit sign on the road, and then they'll say, Mom, you're going too fast. Do you, do you have a dial on your but car? But it's not a dial, it's digital. It's a number? So now I'm thinking out loud, maybe speedometers with the dial aren't quite as popular. I don't know. I'll be honest. Well, I've we're, never had a we're cheap and poor, so like, <laughs> we, we still have dial. like the dial. Well, I have one of each. One has a dial and one's digital. Oh, interesting. And my kids. They get it, though. They I get mean, it. I guess if I was really speeding, they might go, um, hey. But no, my kids just like to point out things like that. Even if I'm going like two hours, mom, or like you know you're driving down the road and there's those like things that tell you, like remind you what your your speed is. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. You should be blah blah blah. Right. I'm envisioning I guess I speed a lot. <laughs> I'm envisioning some brilliant um, lesson that involves 
Oh, there's got to be like some kind of speedometer tie-in well, sure. lesson to a piece of music that you can put like digitally. All right. You need to make an app. Uh, apparently. Because <laughs> that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> make an app. Right. That you match tempo markings. Interesting. To driving yeah. and I don't know. Well, when I've pointed out to my kids on that word wall set, the speedometer, they're like, oh, okay. Like, okay, they good. get that. Yeah. So, I just, think that's just a great visual. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, as long so as I can... just kind of stick with the ones that are in his word wall set uh -huh. because then the, that's what I've got. And I know there's other ones out there. Well, and all the ease and uh, gritty, or, you know, all the, like, little bit of this and little bit of that you get with some of the tempo markings. Well, yeah, little... no, I'm not. That's going to be a teachable moment if it comes up. Exactly. But. So that's how I do it. I just do kind of fast and slow and stick with that. But then fourth grade is where I really hit, try to <laughs> hit the the proper the vocabulary. Well, Because, and... again, then when we're writing in our journals, we're... We're using those vocabulary right. words as we're responding. And I am less likely to throw out, let's do this allegro, than I am to say, let's do this forte. Exactly. Right? Forte. Yeah, I will say the tempo markings don't come quite as naturally to me as yeah. the dynamic markings. Not that they're not important. But... Right. And the, and the beautiful thing about both fast and slow and loud and soft is that you really can use almost any song. Exactly. And manipulate it to exactly. match that. Yeah. But it is helpful to use things like lullabies that are intentionally. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Which is why we have so many train songs in Kindergarten <laughs> exactly. First. So let's talk about some of our favorite songs and yeah. uh, chants and for trains. loud and soft. Mm -hmm. well, the, I mean, sorry, fast and slow. See, I know I'm getting myself confused. Oh, yeah. Fast and slow at Kindergarten. Fast and slow. So, um, engine engine number nine. Going down Chicago. Do you, yes, no, maybe so? Um, No. Oh, I okay. don't. I do. It's a. I, Again, from Fire Robin, don't know if it's... Well, no, he also uses engine, engine, number nine, going down... See, it sparkles. Going down Chicago line. See, it sparkles. See, it shine. Engine, engine, number nine. Oh, so, maybe that's less grim than if the train jumps off the track. <laughs> because that's a little scary, I think, for some of the kids. I don't know where the see it sparkle came from. I've I mean, never heard that before. Oh, okay. Well, I do the one that's got the little coda. Yes, yeah, no, so, maybe, maybe so, so, right? Yeah. Um, and I will. I think both of us do this as a chant. I know there are yes. kind of songs that were probably contrived, like "So Me" songs along the way. Not mm -hmm. that there's anything wrong with that, but if I'm focusing on tempo, mm -hmm. then I'm just going to stick with the chant because I don't want to muddle things up by also including exactly. vocalizing things. Right, so. and I love chants or singing things for fast and slow. Yes, and then simultaneously we're doing work on steady beat. Yeah. And we're doing work on, like, the beat versus the rhythm, or as we call it, like, the, the and I still use the word beat before I use beat and rhythm. I'll say yes. beat and the way the words go. Right. Right. And so, especially, we're not talking about that today, but when you are focusing on beat versus rhythm or the way, way the words go, chants are really successful, mm -hmm. whereas songs could be. But the melody, you know, it gets a little muddled. And just to clarify, do you teach fast and slow before or after steady beat? I teach it actually before steady beat. I do too. Mm -hmm. And I know other people maybe might do it the other way because you might want... I see the benefit of saying it's a fast beat versus a slow beat. Sure. But we're having them experience it in ways that maybe it's not just about the beat. It's about, like, the feeling of I the I want piece. them to have lots of beat yeah. experiences yes. before well, and really... Yeah. Yeah. Direct them towards using that vocabulary. Right. Right. Because, yeah. So, yeah. But it leads very well. Fast and slow leads very well into steady beat. Yes. For sure. Um, she'll be coming around the mountain. I do that with fast and slow where we'll sing it kind of the traditional way. And it's like the cumulative song yes. where, you know, toot toot and roll back and all that stuff. But then after we've sung it, I'll have them sing it. She'll be going up the mountain. And we talk about how when oh, the train's going nice. up the mountain, it's very slow. And then she'll be going down the mountain when she comes. It's very fast because right. it's got oh, the that's momentum. Lovely. Yeah. And then I could bring in the book, Little Engine That Could. Mm -hmm. I'm jumping ahead Or to you could bring in, she'll be coming around the mountain yeah well There's exactly yeah either one but so a little engine it could yeah, i don't great have... at, at demonstrating that idea of the train slow right. and then i think did I you can, make I think that I up can. or did you see that in this i think i made that up okay that's great 
Yeah. Yeah. I can give I, myself credit for I am for really bad with cumulative songs. I, I tend to like stay away from them <laughs> because my mind wanders and then I'm like, oh my gosh, did we do, or where are we now? Well, I made up a whole story for that one uh-huh. where there's a girl named Josie because mm-hmm. then that's going to tie later, translation later into Jim exactly. along Josie. And um, she uh, she's going to see her grandma. So she's going up the mountain. Um, the, the train runs out of coal. It can't go. So she takes her horses and she goes up and then grandma comes out to meet meet her hi babe oh, grandma's nice. wearing silly red pajamas scratch scratch grandma made chicken and dumplings yum yum they have to go to bed we'll sleep with grandma snore snore and then the next morning she woke up oh they put more coal in the train now we can go down and then it's fast oh lovely so when i tell that story and i introduce the story then it helps me keep them straight okay. I, that's my tip for cumulative that's songs. great well you know what i, I this is bad <laughs> i write them on the i like well, write a little code too. on the whiteboard so I can glance up and go. Or write it on your hand. Right. Well, and then when I'm reading a picture book that, and I know a lot of the picture books really well, so I don't, you know, you want to show the kids mostly and not look at the book yourself. You can put a little post-it note on the back cover. Yeah. Right? To remind yourself of the order of things, if it's especially if it's a song, because you sure. don't want to be constantly, you know, looking of course, a lot of people these days read books on the um, overhead projector. That's true. And the document camera. No, do you do that? No, I like to sit with the kids in my cozy corner. I know, I do too. I think there's something to be said for that. I think there is too. I, sometimes too I much. let them vote. Yeah. Yeah, or it's good to do it both ways. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'll read a book and then maybe the next lesson, if I found like a YouTube read aloud that's really cute, oh, that yeah. incorporates music. Especially if it incorporates yeah, music. Yeah, exactly. Like the, we talked about the remarkable Farkle McBride. Yeah. You want that with the trombones right. and the violins and all that. All right, um, we're on a tangent. Let's get back I'm to sorry. it. I'm no, yes, sorry. Okay. okay, fast. Peaches train goes so fast, can't see nothing but the window glass. Peaches train goes so fast, can't see nothing but the window glass. I'll be honest, I don't do that one. Chelsea's <laughs> mule goes so slow. There'll always be another road to hold. Yes. Um, I don't do that one specifically because I'm very sensitive, and maybe I'm overly sensitive about my second language learners. There's no way they can say all that so fast. <laughs> and I, I can merely say that all so fast. So maybe if I, I gave them the opportunity. But... but then you can insert the kids' names. That's true. Maybe next year I'll try it, Tanya. We'll see. <laughs> I just like Paige's train. Yeah. A lot. You know. um, and then I mentioned my segue out of She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain is often into Jim Along Josie. Right. And then we're experiencing fast and slow through different movements in that song. So if they're, you know, and we specifically say if you're crawling, are we going to crawl fast or are we going to crawl slow? So, like, right. I have them specifically talk about, you know, some of them are going to be inherently faster or slower. But then you can have some fun with it and say, well, let's gallop, but let's gallop slow. And then we Ooh, feel how does that awkward work? that is. No, never it's super asked. awkward. <laughs> but that's the point. They kind of understand that some movements are inherently faster and some are slower. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, what else about these chants and, and things? So we talked about engine, engine number nine. Yes, that's great. And I do something similar where I um, have the kids, we are a train, mm-hmm. and we blow our whistle because you don't want to pass up this opportunity for vocal exploration where we yeah. can all go, yeah. Right. And, you know, whether the train is going up a hill or down the hill or just cruising along, you can engine, engine number nine. Go, right. Yeah. So. And a great listening piece that ties into that is um, Little Red Caboose. Well, it's a song, too. Right. But specifically the Sweet Honey in, in the Rock, on the Rock. Oh, oh Sweet Honey in the Rock does yeah, a Little Red Caboose? There's a, yeah, there's a Little Red Caboose. Um, and it starts really slow, like the train's revving up, and then it's chugging along, and then it slows down at the end as it comes oh, into the station. Oh, cool. I can't so wait to really fun check one that to one out. To. Um, another one I like to link with all the trains is um, the Little Train of the Kaipira. Oh, the yes. The Lobos. Yes. Oh, I just Love and that. there is that one is in share the music I know because mm-hmm. there's a big book in the kindergarten book there's a big book listening map yes so you can get all your little ones to gather around that and it's a big listening map oh, that they nice. can follow yeah yeah I have one from um, music and use yeah. circa 1987 it might be the same cartoons does it have the little cows in the field it does yeah I bet it's the same and one. they even have little lyrics for the theme yeah. we're all on our way to oh, that pick berries today how cute because the berry pickers are Right. They're getting no, on the train. They're getting on the train and going to go pick Oh, I don't and... know about the word part. Oh, yeah. I'll send it to you if you That's want. That's a good one. Yeah. Should we talk about some... Would you, Is there anything else you want to say about this, or should we skip to maybe some older resources then? Um... No, well, yeah, we could talk about older resources. I was going to say cobbler, cobbler, and there's oh. a cobbler down the street. Yes. Um... 
Yeah, a lot of these chants I got from Fire Robin materials. Sure. And it's, you know, not really known exactly where they came from, but, I mean, a lot of them are just uh, already in our common repertoire. Exactly. And again, you can make anything fast oh, and slow. Oh, I wanted to mention, too, and I haven't actually done this with kids, but recently we did a little dance share professional development within our district, mm-hmm. and another teacher shared um, the dance that I knew, oh, yes. the kindergarten reel, which is in one of the Amadons books. It's which... not in one of the Amadons oh, books. Oh, it's not? No. Okay, shoot. It's not. It's it's the kindergarten reel, and I remember last year I called it the first grade reel because I didn't have those kindergartners. Well, yeah. Um, and I learned it at a workshop that the Amadons did. And then I actually emailed um, Peter Amadon. Oh, well, aren't you and... fancy? <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can find it these days. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I thought it was in one of the books. No, I've got, it, like, on, I've got it on a Google Drive. It's not in a book. Oh. But if you hunt around online, you I might be able to find it. Well, it's a great it. one for fast and slow because uh-huh. the movement and the dance, there's like a very slow, intentional part and a yeah. very. And know, as is the title, part. it is a kindergarten reel. Yeah. Where they, and I sing two steps forward. Let's see, two steps forward, bow or tiptoe. Yes. Step back to your home base. Two hand turn, turn once around. And then there's the fast part yeah. where the kids. So, yeah, there's some twinkle, twinkle quotes in there. Yeah. But it's very accessible. Yeah. And it's very deliberately. This part is slow. And then here's the fast part where the head couple come sashaying down. Yes. And then they go back up. And then they sashay down and they stay at the bottom. Yes. But. The best thing is that there's the violin or the fiddle goes yeah. and plays that long sound and, and that's when you step up. up. Yeah. Like everybody steps up. Right? Totally. So that's like now the first reel that I do because it's got that whole and we step sideways. Yes. Right. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some older kid stuff. Oh, older kid so stuff. So once we've like taught, explicitly taught some of those temple markings, um, I really like to use the song Sarah Sponda. I don't know why. Oh, Maybe I love Sarah just Sponda. because, well, it's a fun song. And I think the not because of the nonsense syllables, it lends itself well to singing it in different tempos mm-hmm. or tempies. Uh, and I love old Joe Clark. Yes, that's another good one. And of course, fast is so much more popular than slow yes. with the kids. Yeah, totally. Slow does not get its due. No, it doesn't. No. And it's very hard for, especially older kids, if they are not really well versed in fast and slow yeah. music. It is so hard to get them to move slow. And you know what? Maybe this is also just a fallout from me not doing more creative movement things. Right. I really think that had I... I think this is a common problem. If I was more in the ORF realm and I was doing more of that... Or Delcros. Uh, if I was doing more of those, I think that they would have a better time. But And I know I'm not the only one, but have you ever noticed when you ask them to move slow, they'll make quick movements in less space. Yes. Yes. So it's very interesting. It's about stretching out and feeling that space and the Right. Exa- and you yeah. really have to be very intentional of like, you know, exactly what you said, stretching yes. out. And I think that there's an embarrassment factor there if they're not used there to is. it. Yeah. But if you do things, you know, little by little throughout every grade, then they're going to get used to it. Right. And then there's videos that you can see. Um, oh, yeah. I'm thinking about the Yo-Yo Ma and Little Buck, the swan. Oh, yes. But even that, there's a lot of short, fast movements Yes. in slow sections. Well, and you have to be careful. When I think about this one, I think about, yes, the cello has this slow, sustained thing. But, the piano but what's going on underneath so, it? And a lot yeah. of times they gravitate towards that. And they say, well, that part's fast. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, that's so you talk about that's the rippling water, but let's be the swan. You know, it helps them to give them like a character, I think, right. to be a specific piece so you could play some gregorian chants well oh my <laughs> that might put me to sleep to be honest some um, something else that i love to pull in this is where i like to pull in fiaskern with yes, the older grades yes, yes. and either do there's a great little stick game that mm-hmm. i learned well i've learned it from a couple people but yeah. i know that i have it on paper from my level three teacher Char- carla Chwinski, who i had my level three He's code at capital I with. university yes and so I, um she taught us this lovely stick passing game mm-hmm. that's really fun. Um, I've also done the cup game with Fiasker and with fifth graders. So right. that's a really great opportunity to review because it just gets steadily faster, faster, faster. Right. So you can point out individual tempo markings. And along with that, got to mention In the Hall of the Mountain King. Oh, of course. Of course, because I do the yes. cup game with In the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah, although the tempo doesn't quite vary quite as much with that one. 
It does a little bit. Like what? it gets, it it, it kind of gets a little bit faster, but then it stays at the same tempo for a yeah. while. Or faster, and it's like faster, faster, and like each yes. section gets progressively a little bit faster. Yes, but yeah, in the whole. And I, I like, and too. I think I've said this before too. I like the fast, faster, um, recording from shenanigans, shenanigans, yes. more than the rhythmically moving one. Yes. Um, I don't. It, it just it sounds it's got more this, authentic. It's got this lovely symbol. Yes. Crash that keeps going. And a little whoop whoop. It's oh, like yeah. a little, like, what is that? Like a little slide whistle of some sort? I thought it was somebody going whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, maybe it is someone going whoop, whoop. I don't know. It's a good one. It is a good one. And I think you can look look at that at Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, we've got to talk about mixing your comparatives, mixing these elements together. Yes. Because we really want to make sure kids understand that fast is not always loud. And, and slow, slow is not, not always, always soft. soft. Yes, so. Yes. Um, I actually, on my smart board, I do um, a two, you can do the spinner, which is, I don't know, one of the flash elements, oh, right. right? But you could do a spinner like... A for real spinner. A for real spinner, like old-fashioned manipulative that's right. now very uh, all the rage. I have a bunch of blank spinners in my room, Ooh, too. there you go. So, yeah, so I use um, a page with two spinners yeah. and... Usually I take a chance, like I climbed up the apple tree, all the apples fell on me. Apple pudding, apple pie, did you ever tell a lie? Yeah. And we'll spin and say, okay, we're going to do it fast, and we're going to do it soft. Or you could put in your dynamic levels. I mean, you could do a spinner that has not just two sections, but lots of sections, depending on how deep you want to go. Yeah. And I could definitely see, I haven't done it with, say, fourth grade on up. But you could definitely do that with fourth grade. Oh, yeah. Take any folk song that they love to sing or any song they love to sing and do that with it just for variety with their singing. Right. And this is also a good opportunity with the older kids is to really have them practice watching you as a conductor. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Or even watching um, videos of conductors. Like, what does the pattern look like? You know, that that guy or that woman up there is not just keeping the beat, right? Right. What are they doing? What are they doing to show the music? So you could really get sophisticated. Um, I will admit that I have not done that. (laughs) Right. But again, bringing it back to composition and student choice, giving them the opportunity to choose, Mm -hmm. and then maybe even go farther to explain why. What emotion or what feeling or what mood are they trying to get by? Are they just randomly choosing it or are they choosing it for a purpose? Right. And this is an opportunity. um, I think essential questions with dynamics and tempo and articulation. Boy, there's just uh, so many essential questions that you can bring in for kids to have really meaningful discussions with each other. Totally. Um, And if you have an administrator walking through and seeing you use these like higher level things, all the better. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, forget about the administrator. You do it because... You do it because it's good for it's kids. It's good for the kids <laughs> to understand why. Why should this be loud? Why should this be soft? Why should this be fast or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher trip tip. So I'm going to share something that might sound like a lot of hard work, but I, I think the more you do it, the easier it gets. I've seen people do things where they get fancy with QR codes. Yes. So I decided to try it. Um, I was doing stations with my second graders, and I wanted them to do something on the iPad where they were individually um, going through a PowerPoint. And okay. it was actually um, a PowerPoint that I got from Aileen Miracle okay. um, about brass instruments because we're learning about brass instruments in second grade. And I wanted them to be able to go through the PowerPoint on their own, on their iPads. Well, it's technically, it was like a PDF, I think. I don't think it was a PowerPoint. Okay. But it was like a PowerPoint type file. And you can, was but that, then, what, what, what program did you have them go through for that? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, the reason why I wanted them to do it, though, is because then it had links to YouTube videos. All so, right. you could click on the trumpet, and it took them to a link of a YouTube video of someone playing the trumpet. All so, right. they could take some time to just explore and listen to the instruments on their own right uh-huh. so the way that i did it was i took the the file which was a pdf and i uploaded it to my google drive uh-huh. and then i made it shareable through a link and then i went to a qr you know gen- qr code generator website and we'll link to the one that i used um and then i cut and pasted the link uh-huh. and and it generates a qr code okay and then i printed out the qr code and then what i did was 
just to make it pretty, I printed out the, the front page of the slideshow, and then I cut and pasted the QR code, because it's kind of small, uh-huh. onto the slideshow and put it in a page protector. Oh. So then, obviously, on the iPads, there has to be a QR code scanner, right? Right, right. So they scan the QR code, and it goes into my Google Drive... And they're able to view. And several people can do it simultaneously? They can all do it simultaneously. Oh. Yeah. And then that way they can kind of, and I told them you can just explore and go through and click on, you know, and I showed them how, what's, the tricky thing is it clicks on the link to the YouTube video and then you, I couldn't figure out how to go back in this particular program. Uh I had to exit out of the whole thing and then scan the QR code again to open it. yeah. But that's okay. They kind of like scanning the QR codes. (laughs) Like, that's part of the fun, I think. It is. The interactive fun of it. It's like it's magic. When I was doing the, um, you know, using the iPads and doing the seesaw thing, it was interesting because some kids are like, like, they don't even... They they don't even need to think about it. They're like, oh, okay, QR code, and they just find it and they go. And the other kids are like... What am I to do now? What's going like, on? Yeah. yeah. And if you have, you know, Seesaw, I could have done all of this through Seesaw, but I don't do Seesaw with my second graders. Uh-huh. So I didn't have a class set up for them. I just wanted well, them just to have to Well, maybe you to try code. it both ways and see. Well, yeah, to see what's quicker and more intuitive. But uh-huh. to me, it was just, here's the QR code, here's the QR code reader, zip, boom, bam, it's open and it's ready to go. But I love you putting it, like, in the image so that kids at a glance can go, oh, Hey, this is where I this need to be. This is what I'm supposed yeah. to do. And, I mean, what a great thing to do with subs, right? Mm-hmm. You can leave a QR code for an activity. You and the subs and the technology. I know. It sounds scary, it but... It does sound scary, because I'm just envisioning... Well, I guess I always have a backup plan for that. Well, I'm envisioning, like, being at a district, like, music curriculum meeting, and then getting a call, like, the thing, the everything thing is exploding. You know? I know. Well, you have to test it all out ahead of time. I know. Anyway, so QR code generators, they're my new friend. Okay. Now it's time for the CODA section, where we each give a personal or professional recommendation. So Tanya's going to go first. Okay. I swear I'll do, like, a professional one. I don't know. okay. Next time at some point. Okay, so I'm trying to read more. Right. Right. And I'm so excited because I have finished two books. Woohoo! And it's still January. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm about to finish my third book. Wow. Um, So anyway, uh, this is part and parcel of why I have issues with with um, keeping up my reading life because when I do get into a book that I really like, pretty much everything else goes by the wayside. That is the problem. Like yeah. sleep, right. you know, or doing things that need to be done. Uh-huh. and Cleaning. Yeah, you're like, yeah. no, I got to get back to my book. Uh-huh. And then, you know. Anyway, so I'm really reading a very good book right now, and I'm very thankful that I'm finding books that I really like. Good. And this is all because I I really took some time to like figure out what what I wanted to read next and anyway, I mentioned that on the last last episode, but I'm reading this book called Station 11 and it is a novel and it's it is post-apocalyptic. Oh. But it's not um it's I don't know. It's not like scary. Oh, okay. Uh but it's basically and, and the story goes from a lot of different perspectives. So on one chapter, you're, within this, you're with this character. And on the ne- another chapter, you're with this character. And, of course, they're all tied together. Yeah. Uh, but one of the main stories, or probably the main story, is this traveling orchestra. And this is after, like, year 15 of there's, there's a deadly um, flu okay. pandemic yeah. that kills off like most everybody right and civilization pretty much collapses okay and so this traveling symphony um are all these people who who act and also play instruments or some of them act some of them play and they just travel together like this troupe performing in these now you know created little towns and villages right um and their motto is like survival is not enough, or ah uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm getting it wrong, but anyway, uh, it's really it's just really a great book. It cool. is just fascinating. It's not it's not depressing. Yeah, there's some there's a little bit of harrowing things going on because sure. you know apocalypse. Right. Yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> but any, I'm just I'm really enjoying it. It's called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, and um, I'll put a link to it and. Yeah, I I just think it's it's awesome. It's so much fun, and I just love reading about these musicians who 
like that's one of the things that keeps them going is that they want to keep making art. Awesome. Yeah. So that's my thing. Okay. All right. Mine is so opposite of that. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> school related. That's great. We need some school and it's things. Just, it's just a silly thing, and I was only thinking about it because it's time for me to reorder my choir t-shirts. I kind of do my choir in semesters, so we do choir first semester, second semester. It's just starting next week, and so I know I'm going to have some new kids joining, which is awesome, um, and so I get choir t-shirts. The kids buy them, but they're theirs to keep. And I just wanted to give a shout out to the company that I order my choir shirts through because and I really not, like they're them. not paying you money. No, they're not. Um, they're called Image Market, and I just discovered them through a catalog. But what I really like about I like their designs. They have a wide variety of music and all sorts of club. You know, do just, they allow you to submit your own? They might. But if you're going to do that, maybe it'd be better just to go through a local company. I don't know. I guess okay. just price it out and compare. But I like their pre-made designs. And then you just insert your school name and all that into it. So I just found the whole website to be really easy to navigate. And once you come up with your design and your color of your shirt and everything, they send you a proof, a digital proof, just to make sure it's right. And then, I mean, it's quick. I think I got my shirts within two weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's done. nice. And reasonable price if you order a lot. You have to order, you know, 50 plus or whatever to get, you know, a cheaper discount. But what, anyways, so just if you're about looking, how much oh, were... I think I want to say, I think I might have ordered over 100 shirts when I ordered them just so I would have lots of extras. Um, and then I ran out of certain sizes. But I think I ended up being like six bucks per shirt. All right. So I think what I ended up doing is I charged the kids five bucks and then a dollar of it came out of my budget. I was able oh. to do that. Um. So anyways, it's up to you, obviously, how you want to do that. But um, really fun designs, really easy company to work with. And I just, if you're looking for a place to do choir shirts or any type of shirts for your school or any organization, I recommend them. All right. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring Blog. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we are now also on Google Play. That's right. In our next episode, we'll be continuing and wrapping up our series on how to teach the other stuff. We'll be talking next time about how to teach form. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.